On today's episode of the Meeting Lot and Junkards, we will dive into all the sports news and notes in segment one, everything you need to know about, all the big headlines from the past week. Segment two, we'll dive into what should the Steelers do with Mr. Big Chest, a.k.a. Antonio Brown. Segment three, we'll be mock drafting the first round of the NFL draft, each member of the podcast, taking select teams in a certain order. And for the final segment, we will round out with some Tribe news as spring training begins. The first game was today as of this recording. The Indians and the Reds had a very interesting ending to that game. And as always, we will finish with, oh no, baby, what is you doing? But for that, take it away, Hammy. A swing and a pop-up. First base side foul ground playable. Perez, Santana, Santana makes the catch. Ball game. The Indians have won the American League pennant. And Cleveland, for the sixth time ever, you will have a World Series. Colquitt Asimov, you're ready. This is to win it. Snap is back. Ball down. The kick on the way. Line drive. The kick is good. With two seconds left in overtime, the Browns have won it. A line drive that almost had yellow paint on it as it went over the crossbar. 18 strikeouts for Corey Kluber. Blew it right by him. Here we go. Fourth down and 10 at the 50-yard line. In the backfield, Booker will be the running back. On the left hip of Keenum, two receivers right, two left, Lacoste in motion. On fourth down, Keenum waits, takes the snap, he bobbles it, stumbles, he got hit, he got sacked! He got sacked! Peppers! Peppers got him! He got him! Peppers got him! Pour a little pepper on it! The Browns are going to win it! Today is Monday, February 25th, 2019. Epi number five. Boys, honestly, I don't even need to do the intro anymore because we're all assuming Bundy's just a part of this podcast now. How how are both of you doing today? You know, it was a great day. Dayton Flyers uh, holding on to the Arch Baron Cup with a big See, win over you got to remember now, this is coming out technically on Monday, so you need to be speaking as almost if you're talking in the past. Big win over the weekend for the Dayton Flyers as they hold on to the Arch Baron Cup over SLU. There you go. How about you, Bundy? You know, I'm doing all right. It's been a long day so far. Give us a little bit of an idea how your day went. Uh, I'm just curious because you walked in here with a bit of baby powder on your your leg, so I'm trying to figure out <laughs> what's going on here. Listen, I was just listen. I had a, some chafing issues. I had to get some powder down there. Hey, and there's no problem with that. I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you when I was playing baseball, soccer, whatever it was. You know, it was just put it. You were lubing up. You got you got to. Uh, I don't know if I call it that. I just say. <laughs> Who'd you spend your day with today, Bundy? Uh, that's not important. Oh. That's not important. Oh, we're not, okay. we're not going okay. into all of that. But I was just curious. Who is, what? Who, is, who is that over there? Some <laughs> and, random and, guy walking no, in the studio. It's, it's our intern. No, it's not an intern. It's our it's our good friend and member of the staff, Bodie Wells. Uh, yeah, we're we're recording this on a Saturday night, and uh, Ohio State hockey's in progress. If they win tonight, I believe they clinch the Big Ten title. So that's uh. something to look towards as long as i don't have to work because of it (laughs) (laughs) well that's actually the good thing now that you mentioned that because if they get the first overall seed for the big 10 tournament they will not have to play in the first round that's the uh best out of three two out of three series so they get the winner of like the worst pairing or whatever it is and they play uh from that point on when they get into the tournament it's one game series until the championship so that's pretty good what i just swallowed my gum (laughs) by accident (laughs) we're cutting up that sound (laughs) but All right, guys, so 
as always, we dive into some big news and notes from around, not just Major League Baseball or the NFL, but just in sports in general. And I, I kind of went out of order with this one, but I want to go with this first. Funny, we've been talking this for the past couple of weeks. Finally, one of these two guys signed. It's Manny Machado to the Padres. He got that magical 10 years, $300 million. I already know what you're going to say and what side you're going to take, but I want you to give me an outlook of what does this mean for the team itself. All right. First of all, let me say this before we get dive into this stuff. I thought we were doing this tomorrow on Sunday, so I was ill-prepared for this event. But you can still but speak no, on I'm it. I'm telling the people this. Hey, listen. Trying to communicate with my folks. Well, they already understand that you may not have the most educated opinions to begin oh with. Oh, my. Chill so, out over there. So just today's especially bad. Anyway, so I think Manny Machado, first of all, that's a big mistake signing with the Padres. Um, here's why. He's only making $158 million over 10 years after taxes. Not a very smart decision if, you, if you're asking me. You're second also of, expecting him to live out that contract, which I don't think he well, will. Listen, second of all... They're not and when I say live out, I mean actually playing it through. Not that I think <laughs> that he's going to be gone in 10 years, Jeez. obviously. But <laughs> R.I.P. Oh, my. Well, I had to clear that up because people will take that in the wrong way. I got you. No, I, I don't think he outplays the contract. Let's, let's correct, go with that. Correct. I think that he's going to, I mean, he'll. I think he'll be allowed 10 years. But they won't be productive. And he's kind of like the, oh, we have Manny's, so let's come to the ballpark kind of thing. They'll be, the stadium will be packed all of this year, maybe all of next year. But they won't compete for a championship because they don't have the staff. They don't have the pipeline. They're not raring to go for a championship anytime soon. So why he signed there, I don't know. And then I saw he was working at, he was working at third base today or yesterday. I saw that on Twitter. So if he wanted to play short, I'm kind of confused. Is he, is he going to play well, short? Correct there? me if I'm third? wrong, but I, I think they're looking. The San Diego's trying to go to Luis Urias, I believe. Yeah. Is he the shortstop? Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of twofold into why he might have chose the Padres. He, he likes... The future of what that team holds. Maybe that's why he was comfortable signing long term because he knows what's coming down the line with what they have in the system. But my only question, and I agree with you, is is I, the Padres, and I said this last week, the Padres have not proven that they can develop talent to the point where they're going to be competing when the, whenever those guys can get up to the level. I agree. But they have enough talent to where they can swing and miss and somehow still be in the mix, if that makes sense. They'll be they'll be the middle middle of the road team. Um, they won't compete for a World Series though. No, I don't think they should expect that within the next 20 years. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. But oh, I'm sorry, that's, that's I bad. Mean, but I mean, at least the next five or six years, I don't see them having the staff and pipeline ready to go to where you can see, you know, when the Royals had their run, we knew kind of three years out that they were bringing up some real big talent for that for that big run. And then, then they, all, they all left, of course, after they went past arbitration and left Kansas City, but... You don't see that with San Diego. You don't see that kind of whispers like, hey, they're going to be good in three years, four years. You know, we see that with the Braves, too. With the Braves there's are so up many coming. questions because there's, I mean, there's really good talent. And they, I think they have nine players in the MLB Pipeline's top 100 prospects. Yeah. But, but they're, all, they're all young players that haven't developed to the point where you're like, you know, they're coming within the next year or so and they're going to make a huge difference right, right away. Right. Which is their pipeline isn't their pipeline isn't ready to go yet. It's sure, not. absolutely. It's not like, so we all knew the Braves last year more so this year than next year are probably like in their window for a time to really compete for a World Series is the Braves time before they lose all their players in the pipeline as well too. So, you know, we kind of saw that three years ago when they were kind of rebuilding, they were kind of moving towards that way. We don't see that with San Diego. When I think of San Diego, I think of 
the sun, the beach, a mediocre baseball team that's going to finish in the average of their league um, and just be present. And this is interesting because this signing everybody thought was going to create the domino effect and we were going to get to Bryce Harper within a week afterward or something like that. Or it, the talks yeah. are at least going to intensify. But what I've been reading, it's kind of the opposite. It's it's like the Phillies are that team that are up top and it's they're serious. It seems like it's all but signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah. But all those other teams that were kind of floating around, the White Sox, the Giants, uh, I, I can't remember who else was in that, but those teams that were kind of in the mix but trying to throw a bid in it, I, I think the Nationals also came back in a little bit at the time. Yeah. But th- they've all kind of decided to go elsewhere. And that, that's kind of the vibe that a lot of these insiders are getting is that they just kind of like, you know what, we're, we're good. We don't need to put all that money, our chips into that pot. Is that an ind- indictment on the difference in the player between Machado and Harper and what they can set up for the future? I mean, we're, we're talking about two players that are the same in a lot of ways, but different also. I mean, we're talking about Machado, who's going to hit high 280s, 290s, maybe even hit a 300-year, although he's only hit that clip, I believe, once in his career. Uh, on the other side of it, you're having a Bryce Harper, who, wow, he's got the power and everything. He's going to bring that to the plate. His batting average took a big dip last year, and I think teams can be afraid of that aspect. You also have different personalities, too. Remember, Machado's kind sure. of laid back, oh, yeah. simple guy, um, whereas on the flip side of that, you have a guy like Bryce, who is a big spotlight guy, loves the attention, loves to be the center of attention, and so I could see him you know, ending up with the Phillies for sure. Um but don't be surprised if you see a, a back end team kind of come in and snake him away, too at the last at the eleventh hour too. So Bryce is still kind of an oddball up in the year, and don't assume that. I think that's a big a big mistake to assume that because Machado signed, Bryce is going to sign right away. He's waiting for his payday. I mean, that's all he's looking for is that cash. All right, and switching gears over to NFL, Zach, I want to bring you in for this. Obviously, we have to talk about this, Robert Kraft. And I I don't know what you want to put it as this sex trafficking scandal he got himself into. Like, what do we make of this? What are we expecting to see from the NFL in terms of the higher ups? And how are they going to handle the situation? Well, he was handed a five hundred thousand dollar fine, I believe, which to him as a billionaire is just it's a nothing. very small it's drop nothing. in the bucket. I feel like they have to take he's other. Worth, I think he's worth over like six mil- six billion. Yeah, exactly. So I think you have to, if you want to make an impact, and if I was the NFL, I would kind of strongly suggest to him to avoid further repercussions, to maybe make a very sizable donation to any kind of charity or foundation that is against human trafficking and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, as far as, like, what he does on his own time, like, I, you can or cannot agree with, like, what he's doing. Uh, I mean, I don't. Obviously, I don't think this is probably the only place that he's gone to in his life, and he's obviously not the only one who has ever done it. Absolutely. And and we saw a report, too, from Adam Schefter when it first came out and said that Robert Kraft may not actually even be the biggest name that was arrested for this. It's so, interesting because PFT then came back on that, and the kind of the word around town is that no one really knows who he's referring to on that. Like, they, they don't really know if there's a name out there that's bigger than that or if it's just a report that kind of— not accurate. I I don't know, but there's there's a lot of uh, cloudiness behind that. Right, and I one name that it was floated around a lot too was Tiger, given that he's from the Florida area and given his past history. I mean, whether or not that's actually true, I mean, we'll see if it comes out. 
Uh, well, let's go- not speculate on that, please. No, yeah. No, it, that's it, what I was saying. I don't know if it's true. That's just what that was a name that was floated around a lot. Speculation based on someone's history is wrong. Okay, he could have right. Let's go to the second part of this conversation. There was uh, just listening to sports talk throughout the week. There was many things you were listening to. Obviously, you couldn't get away from the Zion talk. No, no matter where you turned your dial to, it just it was there. It was that, and then there was also people speculating on how the NFL will discipline or go forward with this Robert Kraft stuff. And I've heard a lot of people try to go with this. It's a loose connection, and I honestly don't even agree with it. How they would handle what Donald Sterling did with the Clippers in the NBA and pretty much forcing his hand to get out of the business, sell the team. I don't believe the NFL would have the ability or the right to force someone to sell the team off of something like this, but what do you say to people that are behind that idea? I mean, that's just, I don't know. It's very different. Like like I said, it's it's very tough just because like this seems more more or less somewhat of an innocent thing. I mean, I know it's really just out there, and it's obviously nothing that any of us would partake in. But I, I think as far as forcing him to sell the team, I don't think that's something that we can expect. Uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily the appropriate thing to do. Like I said, I feel like a big thing that the NFL should suggest to him or force him to do would be, to, like I said earlier, to make a donation to some kind of charity or foundation. Because so I think that may go a little bit farther than, say, forcing him to sell the team would. I mean, that would be setting a standard, but then again, like we've seen a lot more egregious things done by other people, and the NFL has never taken that kind of stance on it. So I think you can't really expect them to force them to sell the team either. And one more final thing in the NFL. just This is my one thing to make Bundy mad for the week. I'll say it without any context or anything. Uh, The Chiefs are signing the best available free agent quarterback on the market to their roster right now. It's EJ Manuel. How do we feel about that? That's a good pickup. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's nothing really else to say that. I was just trying to make you mad. Back to baseball. Um, yeah, so Craig Kimbrell, what what are we doing here? So there's been some reports that he could have possibly had the idea of sitting out 2019 if he didn't get a deal he's looking for. But his agent, uh, his agent David Meter, went to Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic and said that the report was inaccurate and that Craig looks forward to signing a new contract in the near future. And I've been trying for the longest time to figure out where Kimbrell would go. But the only team that really made sense to me is the only team that sounds like they're just out of them. They're not going to bring them back and it's the Red Sox. He's coming home. Don't worry. But the Red Sox have pretty much come out and said they've welcomed the idea that he's gone. Like they they just will not do it. So, I mean, unless if he's taking a short-term deal, which sounds like he's not really interested in, and he's kind of pulling the Bryce Harper effect, I don't really see I, I, I don't see how they're going to agree to a long-term deal. That's all I'm saying. Because from that camp, it sounds like they are just against putting that type of money into a closer. Me, personally, I feel like players that are just asking for a lot, like they have every right to ask for what they think that they're worth. And if they don't want to sign a contract, they don't have to. But then at the same token... The teams don't have to sign these guys either. And that's why I don't understand this whole collusion crap. Right. What, what, what's collusion? What's colluding about it? Are they just all saying, no, we, we don't want to set this precedence of giving them all this money, so we're all just going to say no to it? No, that's completely insane. If you think the guy's worth what he wants and you feel like you can offer it, why would you not try to bid for him? Right, yeah. No, it's just, like I said, it's a two-way street with that, so I, I don't feel like it's fair. Like I said, he has every right— 
to to ask for what he wants, and teams have the right to not give him that if they don't think that it's worth it. Like, and I feel like that's part of the reason too with uh, Harper. Like, there's a very small handful of teams that will that can one afford him, and then two be willing to pay that. So I feel like that's also too why it's taking so long for like these long term mega deals with these superstars is because there's not that many teams that can afford or want to pay that. And last thing to round out this segment is I want to quickly touch on this aspect of the game the MLB is trying to shut down on. It's stealing stealing signs. So more so, they're trying to cut down on the technology that could be used to steal signs. I know last year in the postseason with the Indians and the Astros, there were complaints from the Indian side that uh, the Astros were using using cameramen. Uh, They were using cameramen along the... Dugouts? Yeah, there was someone and I want to say that had like a like a small like camera or something, but then yeah, he it was not pointed on the field at all. It was more pointed at the dugout, uh, from what I remember correctly. And uh, I'm not sure how he exactly got his credentials, but I know didn't wasn't he removed at at some point during the Indians game? I believe he was removed. Games? Yes, because it was announced sometime during the it was during the series that the MLB came out and said they identified the problem and took care of it. Right. But going forward, what do you think is their solution to limiting this? Is it just limiting the access of technology like cameras and whatnot near the field? I mean, it's so hard with today's technology. Like, you can be up in the upper deck of the bleachers and you can have a good enough camera that you can look down into the dugout and see what's going on. So, I mean, it's very, it's much more difficult now than, say, it was 50 years ago just because technology is so much better. Um, I mean, it's... It's going to be tough, but I also feel like, too, you need to, when you catch them, you need to be able to actually come down hard on those types of people, and I think that would limit uh, that problem from happening in the future. Listen, this is just fake news. You should not care about the stealing signs. Get why? better. Get better at your signs in. That's all you have to do. Get I mean, better at your the, signs. The Astros cheating is the only reason why the Indians lost last year. Buddy. Calm down. <laughs> get better at your signs. This has been a part of the game for years, for decades. Stealing signs is always been part of baseball. It's about being better with your signs. So while we're complaining about it, I have no idea. Look, there's things to baseball that I agree with. It's just part of the game. You should leave it alone, like shifting and whatnot. I mean, if you can't hit it outside the shift, then that's your own problem. But there comes a point where it's just we're not focused on the game anymore. We're just focusing on the antics, and this is what this sign stealing thing is. It's just it's it's almost immature. Yeah. How so? What do you mean? It's part of it's been part of baseball for decades. Yeah, but you're not focusing on. I mean, well, I mean, are, are, are PEDs a part of baseball? I mean, that's been going on for decades. Listen, I'm not going to respond to your ignorant comment. Then go um, ahead. Let me hear it. I'm not going to respond to his ignorant comment. He's he's not making sense right now. Honestly, base ceiling signs has been part of the game for decades, and so I feel like you should. It's part of the strategy when it comes to baseball. It's what makes the game so interesting is that you have to be better than them because everyone can see your signs. It's not like you, you can see and touch the nose, the mouth, the, the whatever. Get better. Well, I, I, I will say this. You're staying on brand with how you've been arguing these type of topics over the course of this whole podcast because when we were talking about the whole universal DH thing and should we remove the pitcher from hitting, you were on brand with the game's been this way. We should might as well just keep it. It keeps the tradition. And I said, screw the tradition. Well, I say that in this case. This is, it, what point is it to just? I I I I'll, I'll agree. There is no 
reason to get upset about this, but at the same time, what what's the point? Just go out on the field and win it on the field. Like, wh why do we need to do these extra steps off the field? I I just don't get it. It's part. Of, it's on the field, literally stealing signs. No, not when you have external people not part of the team in the stands taking photos and sending it towards your staff. If you want to do it from the dugout and you're like players are noticing it, that's fine. But it's just like it's, it's not no natural. It's not natural to the game. You get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. So I, I that's fine. We can. I, that, I think this headline from MLB.com is a little misleading. I'm. A, that's you know what? If you're a player and you're sitting in the dugout and your goal is to just read his signs and go based off what the players are doing, fine, so be it. But if you're doing somebody in the stands to get an extra advantage because maybe they're better at it or maybe they have an eye for it, I, I don't agree with that. All right, maybe the stands is a little too much, but I'm saying in general, stealing signs from the dugout isn't part of the game for decades. I understand that, but the point of this argument was is that it's about the technology that people are going to the lengths of so that they can save photos and match them based off of what a player or a pitcher did for that specific play. It's deeper than what we're looking at on no, the, on the face of it. Have been, analytics has been part of the game for for decades, too. It's just we have cameras now that can see, is he throwing a slider, curveball? Does he have tendencies? It's why... But there's still limitations on that, though. Like, you, can, you can't go into a ballpark and then mark up the field before the game to know, okay, when this batter's up, I want to stay in this spot because that's where analytics... Like there's a like there's a specific rule that says that you can't put any markings on the field before the game. It's fine if you want to use the analytics, have your scouting report and everything. That's one thing, but then to go out there and do something on the field to mark it up, that's different. So then having someone external, not a part of the team, not on the field of play, taking pictures of the dugout, then that also crosses that line. I mean, who was the pitcher that for the Rangers that had a tough obviously a tough postseason a few years ago? He was dominant throughout the entire season. You you Darvish, remember he went yeah, to postseason. He got lit up. I mean, he's been getting lit up since. So I, yeah, I, but what's your was, point? He was tipping pitches. That's Again, fine, that's completely different. Doing, yes, if you're but doing you it. But you knew he that, was tipping from watching video and okay, seeing where he's tipping them. That is different. We are trying to separate the two aspects that of that. That is completely I, different. I think that's what you're getting confused with our argument. is We're trying to say, if you can do it on the field and you can do it from the dugout naturally, that's fine. Yes. But when you're adding this extra technology to it to slow it down and go deeper into it, it, it almost creates an unfair advantage. Because I, I, I don't know how else to put it for you, Sal. I get what you're saying. I'm just saying that technology is part of the game anyway, so there are pros and cons. That's fine. We can disagree, agree to disagree on that one. All right, coming I'm up. right, so it's okay. You think. Uh, coming up in the next segment, we will talk about Antonio Brown, a.k.a. Mr. Big Chest. What are the Steelers and Kevin Colbert, the GM, going to do with him? And are there only a limited number of teams that are looking to trade from? We'll talk about that next. I've been listening to this cut for the past, I don't know how many days it's been around, but it was the Antonio Brown Instagram story video where he's, what's the best way to put it? He was just flexing on everybody. And quietly, it's been a debate on what he's been saying. Was he saying Mr. Big Chest or Mr. Big Checks? What do we say? I've only heard it reported as chess, but I'll have to listen to the 
Listen to it again. Now I'm questioning. I was listening to an ESPN radio program. I can't remember what show it was, so sorry if I can't credit it. But they actually slowed it down. Might have been Daria Mel on the weekends, but it was they slowed it down to about seventy five percent, and you can kind of make it out as checks instead of chess, and that would make sense because he wants to get paid guaranteed money by a big team with big aspirations. And I think this is what how we can parlay into this topic. So Mr. Big Chest or Big Checks, however you want to put it, is maybe not so popular. Go figure. You know, you kind of go AWOL on your team and not many teams want to trade for you and not want to pay the price it'll probably take to get them. But supposedly uh, the general ma- manager for the Steelers, Kevin Colbert, he made some comments recently. He said three teams have reached out to express trade interest in a trade for wide receiver Antonio Brown. Now, there's many ways you can look into this. You can look into it very, very deep, and then you can just take it for how it is. Context is everything, but... Is there a possibility we can look at this as not a lot of teams are offering? Or these are just three teams that have came out right right away and the market for Antonio Brown is just starting to grow? Market's grown. It's getting bigger. Transcendent talent. I'm telling you what, though, man. It's, it's a 30-year-old guy who's most likely going to want his contract restructured once he gets traded to a different team. I think that's going to be part of the agreement in any trade that goes down because I think a team's going to want to have confidence that he's going to stick around long and he's going to be happy. But I also believe that it requires Antonio Brown to be getting what he wants. Unfortunately for that team, it might be putting their team in kind of a, a stranglehold with what they need to offer him in terms of long guaranteed money. But I, I just kind of want to dive into more of the aspect of what teams do we think are these three teams that have might have reached out. Niners. That, I think that's obvious at this point. Niners. Let's dive into the teams that more likely need a wide receiver and would be willing to trade for this risk. They're taking the Niners, Bundy? Well, that's, that's the an easy obvious. one. They've been, he, that's I mean, an he's one. talked about wanting to play there. I, I can honestly see him going with the, uh, going with the Colts. I think it would... I mean, it's kind of like the same uh, blue collar. I feel like people of Indianapolis would kind of get behind him a little bit. Uh, the only issue with that is being that, because also too in that article, he, the uh, Steelers GM outlined that he said that he wasn't necessarily wanting to trade in the conference just because then that could pot- that could become a potential threat to knock the Steelers out of the playoffs, which makes sense. But then again, if the if the, it's a right call to make, like if you can get good picks out of it and maybe a player in there, then you go ahead and pull the trigger and you just kind of have to judge. But I, I can see the the Colts definitely being a uh, very viable option for Brown, as in the Colts have a – they do have a very big need at wide receiver. So I think he would definitely fill that. It's just I don't know if the Steelers would be willing to trade. It would, I feel like it would come at a higher cost going to an AFC team than it would cost an NFC team. See, this is a very unique situation because – it's it's weird in the sense that the Steelers can be pretty picky with this because they have such long control under Antonio Brown. He really can't dictate the terms of his trade, unlike if maybe we're looking at the NBA's version of uh, Antonio or that uh, Anthony Anthony Davis. Davis. Why can't I say that name? Uh, yes, but it's something like that where he's only got a year left on this contract. He's got three more years left on this deal, so he's pretty much locked down. And the Steelers can control how this wants to go. So if they're feeling that way, 
then they have all the rights to be and they have all the right to address it that way. Uh, there's two ways to look at it with the Colts that I'm pretty interested in. Number one, I believe they have the highest cap space going into this offseason. Uh, that's a perfect scenario for a team that can restructure a deal and give guaranteed money to the like of an Antonio Brown. And they also have been pretty keen on winning another wide receiver, probably one that could become their number one because they, they like T.Y. Hilton. They like what he brings to the table, but I don't know if they're so confident in him as a number one guy. Listen, but I will tell you this. If he does go to the Colts, and maybe he's not a fan of it, and he gets a little bit of uh he goes AWOL again, he might do what uh the situation might be a little bit of what uh my friend Ashley Schaefer used to say. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. If he goes there and throws a fit, I mean, you're talking about turning a team that's on the rise like the Colts are with a relatively young quarterback in Andrew Locke, uh, a young core around him that is going up in a direction after Luck being finally healthy. Finally, how can it turn that team upside down so fast is scary to think about because, like we said, it, it's a risk. It's a risk taking a, on a guy like this. Listen, can I speak now? Yeah, go ahead. All right, cool. He's not going to Indy. Dallas. Team that came calling. Okay, you said... Jerry, Jerry World. You said the Niners and the, the Cowboys, and you have provided no context behind those teams yet. Why do you feel so confident in that? I mean, the, they, the Dallas Cowboys just traded for Cooper for a first-round pick. Okay. Like what else? It's Jerry World. Listen, he's he's looking to sign big name players, get big name talent down there in Dallas. Sure, absolutely. And I think AB qualifies as a big name talent. Yes, but at what cost? And we'll get into that here. What what cost is it going to take to get an Antonio Brown from the Steelers? We've learned that Jerry doesn't really care at what cost because he signed players with past and histories and. This is a trade. This isn't like a free agent signing. Yeah, here. still, it's trade form, whatever. But what would he offer for a guy that's 30 years old and has an attitude problem? Does he have an attitude problem? Yes, he does. Yes. yes. Where have you been the last, since the end of the regular season? He demanded a trade. He left his team before the final game of the regular season. That what was, are you missing? That was for a playoff spot. They had to win that. He didn't leave. He was hurt. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Oh Bundy. You've hit rock bottom. He was hurt. Okay, Skip. All right, let's break this down for you real Wait, quick. Wait, was he, was he not hurt? Not to the extent of missing a game, no. If you're hurt, come out and say you're hurt. He you don't, you don't he, just skip. But he never did. That's the thing. He just went off on his own. He was hurt. He was on the then why, oh, he Then was, why would you not say that if you are? He wasn't. That was a false report, and the NFL looked into it. He was never hurt, and he was never hurt worth enough to be put on the injury report. The only reason why he was on the report is because he missed practice. But they wanted to cover it up. Internal turmoil caused him to act the way he did. I mean, this guy has he gone, is, he's gone after his quarterback on numerous occasions. But he's been an upstanding teammate. He is told he's since he before said, this year. He has said his quarterback has an owner's mentality. Who does that? Ocho Cinco? Uh, yes, another screwed on person. Terrell Owens. Another screwed on type. Well, wow, you're but, picking a really good but choices. Great, great receivers. That wasn't great, the question. Talented receivers. That was not the question. Literally, you the can only way you can get a, the, no, no, one no, could, no, 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 no. 
you can deal with the head case if they have great talent. The Steelers couldn't even do it. Well, uh, unless if it's going to maybe the pa- the Patriots, they did do it for how many years he played. For who? AB. He not was, very well. I mean, we're at, we're at this point. We are at this point for a reason. Well, at some point, you know, the, the things boil over enough to where it's, it spills out. But they did a good enough job for the past seven years. All right, I'll put this in simple terms, and we'll start from the beginning. What is the reason you're, in your mind he's requesting a trade? Why does he want out? Because he's tired of the turmoil that's built up in the. That has Steelers. never been mentioned once. Ah, but you can read between the lines. That no, no, you, you. That's the problem is you can't read between the lines with this guy because he changes his mind every minute. Listen, he needs to get out of there. He needs a new setting. No, the Steelers need him out of there because he's. Uh, the cancer. Yes, that I didn't want to say the word, but he essentially is that to the team. But he they is. win with him. They won with him. They did not win. That super, that power three they had, they never won a Super Bowl. And they missed the playoffs last year. Listen, 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 listen. Listen to what we were talking about. The Killer Bees last game was against the Jaguars. They lost at home in the playoffs. Listen, I'm trying to tell you. Go ahead. Whatever team that AB goes to will be in the playoffs next year. Well, if okay, he goes to the right team. That's without context because who who are we talking about? Hey, here? whatever team he goes to. No. Oh, oh. If you're sending him to John Gruden, they're making the playoffs. Yep. Oh, oh boy. Derek Carr at quarterback? That's... Are you kidding me? He's going to have. Re... <laughs> Watch your Listen, words. Because return you're, player of the you're year. You're walking on thin ice here. Return player of the year next year. If he oh, goes to the if he goes to the right place, what's that, what's that thing called? What's that what's that thing called? Return player, or whatever. Comeback player of the year. Yeah, comeback player of the year. Oh That's gonna be Derek God. Carr. I'm calling it right now. Oh my goodness. Pinky butt. Oh, pinky butt. No, I'm not that confident. But okay. No, uh, no. Let's let's play around. Um, if he went to the Cardinals. No. Because no, the, Card- the Cardinals, not, no. the Cardinals have actually been rumored as a team that could possibly well, listen, be interested. Let me let me tell you though. What do they have to offer? I could see nothing. I could see Rosen kind of coming up there and with AB as the mentor and stuff like that. Because they had you want AB to be a mentor, mentor for a young a, quarterback. Listen, oh my they had god! A decent, <laughs> they had a decent defense last year. The the Cardinals, they've got a great running back uh, and a below average quarterback, but a great receiver with him next to Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald can't play any position other than the slot right now because he's so damn old out there. That's all right. He's still catching balls. Throw his way. He'll catch it. <laughs> Listen, A.B. and Larry Fitz, it could be a combination for success. I'm just saying. I knew the minute we brought him into this podcast a couple weeks ago that we were going to hit one topic at some point that was going to make everybody question. The number of people that listen to this podcast are going to be like, what in the world did we do? How are you arguing for the sake of Antonio Brown? And we might finish out the subject just talking about this. How can you argue his character and how he's handled himself? He's been good for seven, for six years. He really hasn't. I mean, he's had these lapses in judgment. Lapses, but he hasn't been like over the top and vertically disrespectful until this year. He threw stuff off of a balcony and almost hit a little kid. When? That was so, almost two years ago now. It wasn't being sorry for me to remember it. Oh, of course it isn't. <laughs> of course, because all, everything that he does happens to get swept under the rug because he's such a great player. Whose fault is that? I don't know. Take your choice. The media, the Steelers market, 
uh, just the NFL in general, but it's not. It's starting to catch up with him because everybody's starting to realize that he is a word that I can't use on this broadcast. Well, he's not as no, but he's not as bad as like Terrell Owens and Otosinko. He's not that bad. Oh man, that's a debate for another day. I don't. I don't know. I honestly don't know on that. Listen, let me. Tio was bad. I mean, Tio. The only way you could get a word out of him is you went up to his garage or his his front <laughs> lawn. He's doing sit ups in his driveway. That's the only way you could ever get anything out of him. But I I, I would say Tio's worse in terms of on the field. But off the field, I I don't know if I can go that far. Well, I mean, Ocho Cinco also had his issues. The fact that we now call him Ocho Cinco. Yeah, but he was just crazy. I don't know if he was really. It, bad. It wasn't. It didn't have as much of a negative impact as Antonio Brown is having. If anything, it was, it was more on field with him. What about Megatron? What about him? He had some issues at the last, like late at the end of his career. <laughs> In what context? Wanting to leave the Lions, but then not trading them, so he just retired instead and said. I don't uh, think those two were tied together because he retired just for the sake of. No, no, no. He said he would have come back and played for Oakland if they would trade him to Oakland. Well, I, I don't, I don't understand that logic because he can pretty much do the effect of retiring, waiting out his—I don't know how much, how many years left he had on his deal—but retire, wait, and then come back. He could. He could have. I don't. I'm just saying this isn't unprecedented to ask for a trade. Now the the whirlwind after the trade, yes, that might have been a little over the top. Per se, but here's the difference though. Megatron wanted out because his teams were awful, like they they just weren't good. AB just wants out because he's AB and he's just he's tired. He's of not, wired. No, of the disrespect he's beginning. What disrespect? Like wh- what disrespect is he is he not bringing upon himself with his actions? His actions. You mean catching I, touchdowns? I literally just spelled you it mean out to you. Catching touchdowns. W- what list of Things you want to hear, the assaults he's had, the throwing what furniture. What assault? He just had one. What was it, out in Vegas? Well, I, I, look it up, Zach. It was, he just had a recent assault that was in the news on TMZ. Well, that's not good. Yeah, that's not good. He almost killed a child. That's. I mean, when what, what was the story? Because you keep I, talking about I'll, the story. I'll look it up. He threw furniture off his, off, uh, balcony, out, uh, his apartment down in Florida, I believe, and the uh the father of the kid pressed charges for like emotional distress or something like that. Well, that's obviously those are bad things that he did. But as a whole, he just wants out of this situation into a new team. What's wrong with that? He just wants to be on a different team. He really doesn't have a reason behind it though. That's the thing. To win championships. What? I mean, give me a list of teams that are in a better spot to win a championship than the Steelers were. Saints? Okay. Patriots? Okay. Colts? Ah. Colts. If the Steelers don't fall apart, I feel like the Steelers are better than the Colts. I'm sorry. If they don't fall apart, I think they're better. And then they had... Kansas City? Yes. Okay, There's that's three. Rams. I'll give you that. Four. Chargers? I mean, it took three false or offsides penalties for the Chargers to win that game. So that's not really a that's not a given. I'll give you a half on that. Who else is there? There's a couple other teams out there. I see. Too. That's the point. Like what? I mean, what? 
the teams that are being rumored to be interested, like Falcons? the the Niners, Falcons, Falcons? N- the Falcons won four games last, four or five games. I can see the Packers being buyers no. for Antonio. They have yes, so much. I, I they like, have so much draft stock that they can trade away. They have two first rounds and I two fourth see, rounds. No, yeah, I can see them being in the running, but I also don't see them trading for that kind of player. See, it, you, it's it's weird because teams like that have. I mean, what the Raiders could package number twenty four and number twenty seven and just blow them away and get AB like that. Yeah. But these teams are they going to be competing right away when they get them? Gruden, I mean, Gruden will. No, Gruden is not overrated. He is so overrated. Oh my! He's over- what? What else? What other evidence do you need? Then he just traded away Glomac and Amari Cooper. My favorite. He wants to build a culture of winning. Oh my! My God. favorite takeaway with Gruden from this year was I can't tell tra- you're being serious. You're just trolling at this point. It's good. <laughs> Gruden said Gruden trades away Glomac. Two weeks later, we need to do a better job of getting to the quarterback. Uh, hmm. You think? Hmm. Oh, if only they had a player that could do that. If only. They got one coming. Don't worry, he's in the pipeline. Gruden's gonna get him right. He's got ten years, nine more years left. Ninety million dollars. That is so scary. I mean, they're they're literally contracted to give him money that Mark Davis doesn't even have money to pay. I mean, he doesn't have a cash flow. That's the biggest thing about Oakland that no one is really talking about. Davis is rich, rich, but he's not really rich. Like he doesn't have a lot of capital to just give it away right now. They they're lucky that they're that they settled with the city of Oakland yes. so they can actually play at home this year. Absolutely, because they wouldn't be forced to go over to London. No, no, London, London or San Francisco. I, no, I, they, I, I did hear that the uh, before the, their uh, their suit with Oakland was settled that they were going to play at the home of the Giants in San Francisco. That was going to be their home. No, this yeah, year. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, but then I believe. Uh, Sam Fran got in a little debate about that. They're like, no, we don't want you to play in the same city, but we'll share our stadium with you because that made tons of, tons of sense. All right, well, that was refreshing. <laughs> uh, coming up in segment three, we will do our official early, 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 early before the Combine mock draft, switching teams and going in random ways. This is going to get crazy. We'll do that next. If only people heard the things we talk about during the breaks. Oh, no. Listen, boys. it's We can talk about it again. No problem. All right. Share your news. We got big sad news here right now. Whitehall Sonic Drive-In permanently closes. Permanently closes. But there's plenty of Sonics around. What's the big deal? Uh, but it's a Whitehall one. It's been there for decades, for years. Oh, I, mean, I tried to stay out of Whitehall. Hey, you go you go to the one on Broad Street. You go and ask for the fried Oreos with the little ice cream. And you dip that in, and it's all nice and good. You know what I miss, it's though? Nice you good. know what I miss right now? What are you missing? Quality Rush's Donuts. Hey, man, I knew I knew the owner. I don't know if they still own it, but I played T- not T-ball. I played, like, the inter- like the working into the coach pitch yeah. league, whatever. Uh, the Baltzer family. They still, I think. Do they family, still own I it? Yeah, still I, I played with Chase, and uh, needless to say, Moraine got the hookup over there. Oh, she does. Oh, Let me the, give her a call. See if she can give me some. It's not just the donuts, though. It's the dinner rolls. Everything. That's, that, that's what she's big on. Everything at Rush's is good. We had the Thanksgiving. It's so nice. Rush's is good, good food. <laughs> Best food in town. Best bakery in town, for sure. Oh, man. All right, guys. How how about we do a draft today? I, I know this is a little bit different than what we've done in the past, the past couple of shows. We're actually going to do our very early before the Combine 
mock draft. Can and, we pause though? Because on what audience needs to know, needs to know that Colin last year filled out probably over a hundred NFL mock fantasy drafts. Oh, I. What's well, the difference I, between fantasy and today alone? I did ten for baseball. I did two for rotisserie leagues. Uh, about four for the head-to-head categories, and then I just did straight up head-to-head, and then I did one that was AL only because I don't like doing NL because pitching's too stacked over there. So I went to more of the AL way to you know challenge myself a little bit. So I'm getting that reminds me we got to get our fantasy uh, league all set up. I have about eight names in mind. We'll go eight because not a whole lot of people like to play it, which sucks. But you know I'll play next week. (laughs) Yeah, like you always do. All right, well, you're taking us off course. we got to get into our draft. And, Bundy, you, my friend, are on the clock with the pick for the Cardinals. That's a pretty easy one, boys. Eh. Oh, no. Have you made your decision? Yes. Oh, that's fancy. Oh, we fancy, huh? Who are you going with? You know, I was going to go with the old guy from Houston, but I think I'm going to go with Nick Bosa, the smart choice. Nick Bosa? Okay. I talked you off the ledge on that one. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you're, right. you're up next. Okay. All right. With my second overall pick, I am uh, going with DraftJoshAllen.com. D-line Ooh. out of Kentucky. Ooh. And you're picking Linebacker out of Kentucky, the... not D-line. Linebacker. With the Niners? 49ers. No, he's listed as D-line Ooh. outside linebacker. I like that. That's actually where I was going to go with this pick for the Jets. Oh man, so I gotta rethink this one. Um oh, man. I, I believe they need at least an offensive lineman. Ed Rusher is big in this draft. Um, but I'm not gonna get cute. I'm gonna go with best overall. And third overall, I'm gonna go with an interior lineman, Quinnen Williams out of Alabama. He's the best at the position in the draft. Uh I would take Ed Oliver, but it's a little early for him. Quinton Williams is by far the superior defensive tackle. Uh, that's the way I had to go. So pick number four is on the clock. The Raiders, Bundy, that is you. Where are you going? Uh, that's a pretty easy pick for me. Get old Ed Oliver. I, I do believe they need defensive help in that category, but... Ed Oliver just seems, you know, you know what? I can get there. I can get there. All right, number five, Buccaneers are on the clock. Zach, that is you. All right, I will uh, be my pick. My pick is in. I'll go with Brashawn Gary, the end out of Michigan. Ooh, that's got a lot of bust potential behind that one. Yeah, bust city. Bust city. Living large. All right. Uh... Number sixth overall is the Giants. Giants. Oh, th- uh, this is easy. With the sixth overall pick, the New York Giants select Dwayne Haskins, the first quarterback off the board. It's a perfect match. Match him with Odell Beckham. Up to seventh overall, you have the Jaguars picking. Yep, pretty easy. Back-to-back picks right here. You good? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm messing with you. <laughs> it's going to be Kyler 
Murray. <sighs> I don't like that spot for him, but hey, it's your call. All right, we have next picked up is the Lions at eight. All right, with the Lions, I'm going to go with a, uh, a Brian Burns, edge rusher from Florida State, FSU. Ooh, that's a lot higher than a lot of people are putting on that. I, but I don't hate it. Um, All right, I've been going back and forth on this one. Number nine. I have a shocker. The first tight end is off the board. I'm going to take TJ Hawkinson from Iowa to the Bills for number nine. I believe he's he's a weapon that they can utilize uh, all over the field. It's a big pickup because they just let go. Uh, I forget the first name, but Clay was the tight end there for the longest time. Yeah, he's yeah, gone. Yeah. So they need the tight end in that spot, and I'll take them there at nine. Uh, Bundy, you're up with Broncos at 10th. Listen, another easy pick for me. Broncos desperately need a quarterback. Guy from Duke, Drew Locke. I'm sorry. You want Locke I'm at sorry. 10? I'm sorry. <laughs> from Missouri. Okay. Locke at 10. That, that, a lot of people are going with that, so that's not surprising. All right, 11th overall. Going with Devin White from LSU. The Bengals have a big, big need on uh, defense. And I, I, I feel like Devin White, is, he's going to do all right. Uh, LSU's known for putting out some nice uh, defenders out there. So I think this wouldn't be a terrible move for the for the Bungles. I like that. I like that a lot. Um. All right. Next up on the clock is the Packers. Um, they have a lot of needs. They need Ed Rutcher, tight end, guard, defensive line. There's there's a lot of different ways you can go with it. I would love to go receiver here, but I just don't see them. I don't see them going that direction. But if I had to go defensive line, there's a lot of different options out there. I will go with edge rusher from Mississippi State. Montez Sweat, 6'6 guy, 252, great speed off the end. He's a prototypical defensive end. This is a deep class for edge rushers. This is a year where they can focus on that. I believe that the Packers will go defensive end on it. Next up, Bundy, you have the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I hate to be the guy that keeps picking quarterbacks, but Dolphins. <laughs> the Dolphins have a great need for a QB, and the kid from Duke is the guy to do it, Daniel Jones. Wow, I, I, you've picked three quarterbacks so far. So you have four <laughs> quarterbacks already at this point in the draft at number 13. Hey, the rest have been defense, am for, I correct? For, <laughs> for context, there was five in the whole first round last year, and that was a lot. I see you're hey, the key, that's the fine. That's fine. Hey, whatever you want to do. Uh, 14th overall, we have the Falcons picking. Zach, that's you. With Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle out of Clemson. Same thing, just kind of have a need on the uh, defensive tackle, uh, so I feel like this will be a good uh, plug-in for them. It's a good spot. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons would have been a good one there, too. We've talked about him in the past, but as we all know, he tore his ACL in a workout preparing for the— he actually wasn't going to go to the combine. We talked about that. He was preparing for his pro day, and unfortunately will slide. I don't know how far he's going to slide, but hopefully it's not too deep because if someone can wait it out with him, that's a steal if he gets back to fully healthy. Uh, coming up next on pick number 15, 
The Redskins. This was a hard one. Um, there's a lot of different ways they could have gone with it. They probably would have won of the quarterback. So in this case, with how the draft's gotten in Bundy's case, they probably would have made an effort to trade up at this point. Uh, they also need a receiver, a safety, or a guard. I believe this is their first wide receivers off the board. I'm going to go. The big body receiver. Everybody saw the everybody saw the photo of him in his workouts. DK Metcalf. Recovering off of a season-ending injury that might take a little bit of a while to get used to getting back to game speed, but no doubt, in my opinion, he is the number one receiver in this class, and he's going to the skins. Big talent. Huge talent over there. And Bundy, you're up with the Panthers at pick number 16. This is a, a tough pick, really, but I think I got it. It's in. All right. Uh, Jawan Taylor out of Florida. Wow. Uh, reasoning behind that? He's a big-time tackle, and the Panthers are in need there's of a serious a, I, I, I just asked that because I feel like there's a, some better tackles on the board. Taylor's got the footwork. he got the skill set. He's got a high ceiling as well, too. Big-time talent that can develop on something that's going to be there for the long haul. All right. You're up next, Zach. All right. My pick is in. Oh, wow. You guys are going fast. <laughs> The Cleveland Browns are going with Greedy Williams, 6'3", cornerback out of LSU. I'd love to see that if he would uh, if he'd go to the Browns. I would definitely be happy. He could definitely plug in, especially with uh, Denzel Ward's unknown concussion issues. If that continues to be a problem, hopefully we could uh, also hit on another cornerback in the first round. That is, uh, in my opinion, that would be a steal at that point of the draft. I think he's sliding a lot. And the corners have been sliding in the mock draft so far this year. So it's... Not surprising to hear this, but I do have questions on his tackling ability. He has shown that he can be kind of leaky in that part aspect of his game. But nonetheless, I mean, that's a great option at 17 after some of the guys that have been on your board have kind of fallen off because of injuries. Like Jeffrey Simmons is what a lot of people, like including myself, have had the Browns taking for the longest time. But I like that. Uh, for 18th overall, I have the Vikings. Uh, there's a couple of different ways they can go with this, but because my number one tackle is not off the board yet, I'm going to go and take him. So I'm going to go and take Cody Ford to tackle out of Oklahoma. Uh, unprecedented is what this offense line has been under Lincoln Riley. Uh, Josh, or excuse me, I'm referring to the wrong person here. Uh, when Kirk Cousins has been under pressure, he has struggled mightily. Kirk Cousins? With the Vikings. I got you. <laughs> so I, I I believe he is the best option on the board. He's kind of everybody's number one tackle, which is why I was surprised you went the way you did with your tackled spot. Um, there's not huge needs, but there are needs nonetheless on this team. But for the Vikings, I believe tackle is the best spot. Uh, Bundy, at 19, you have the Titans up. Cornerback is the need. And uh, I think the pick, the pick's in. Oh. Byron Murphy out of Washington. Next best corner behind Greedy Williams. See, I don't, I don't see corner as a need for the Titans. What do you see as a need first? Uh, I, I, think they, I think they could have a wide receiver to complement. They definitely need an edge, edge rusher. You can get a wide receiver in the back end, I think. And, and they need offensive line help because Marcus Mariota has been running around for his life. 
I don't know. Yeah, I gotta I, play defense I, though. I, and you know, Vrabel is a defensive guy, so that's fine. I you can never have enough corners, but at the same time, I feel like that's they're pretty young at the corner spot. But nonetheless, hey, number twenty. I know this is gonna hurt you to pick for them, but the Steelers, Zach, go ahead. Am I not allowed to pick a kicker for them? <laughs> if you pro- really want to, but I think we want to keep our integrity. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Danikowski right. was picked in the first round, though, so. See, I also have the Steelers having a need at cornerback with Joe Hayden entering uh, his last year under their contract. Uh, so I'm going to go with DeAndre Baker, senior. Uh, he's out of Georgia. Uh, I I feel like he'll plug in, like I said, more than anything, just someone to have once your uh, your current contracts run out. Uh, just kind of learn learn how the, the pace of the NFL and just grow in that position. It's an interesting one. All right. I, I can't believe this guy has fallen to this point. <clears throat> and this is a big need for the Seahawks. They need linebacker help desperately. And the best linebacker in this draft is still available at 20. What are we doing here? Give me Devin White. Put him in the middle of that defense for the Seahawks and build that Legion of Boom back up. Easy as that. 22 overall. Bundy, you have the Ravens. What says you? This is tough because I think the Ravens need a lot of help in a lot of, a lot of different areas. But the main, main one I think right now is receiver, receiving help. Um, and that means the pick is in. Wow. So we've seen that Ole Miss has a plethora of talent in the receiver spot. I think A.J. Brown is an example of that talent for sure and could step in there and help out the uh, Lamar Jackson next year. The best running back in the league? Best. <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> All right, 23rd overall, Houston Texans. Zach, you are up on the clock. All right, I also have my pick in. Oh, wow. Rapid fire. Sticking with Bundy's Ole Miss trend here, I'm going to go with a uh, name that's familiar to uh, many Browns fans. Greg Little, offensive tackle out of Ole Miss. Greg Little's been everywhere on this board for a lot of people. I personally don't know how. I, I mean, he he's a prototypical blindside tackle. He's ready to go, but there are some, there's some leaky parts to his game that people are worried about. Um, he, he's a little bit he's a little bit raw at the position, is what I would say. But nonetheless, I, I think that's a pretty good option. Uh, 24th overall, this is part of the trade with Chicago for Khalil Mack. I honestly have no clue how they're going to, oh, uh, what's the best way to put it? Uh, make up for what they gave away for Khalil Mack at this spot. Um, you could go receiver here. The only issue is, is I believe Metcalf is off the board. Uh... And I know the Davis family has been big on speedy receivers. So at this spot, I'm going to go with wide receiver out of Oklahoma, Marquise Hollywood Brown. I think this is a perfect spot for him in terms of what the Raiders like to do. Uh, Hopefully for their sake, he recovers well from his foot surgery that he had uh, as a result of the injury he suffered in that Big 12 championship game against Texas. And it lingered over into that playoff game against the Tide um, in terms of how I think this works for the Raiders, I really don't know if it works. I think he's a very talented wide receiver if put in the right position, but I, I'm kind of afraid if he goes to Oakland, how he would do out there with Derek Carr. But we'll see. 25th overall, Bundy, you are up with the Eagles. 
Now, listen, the Eagles are, need a lot of help in certain areas specifically. I think their biggest help, though, comes uh, on the offense side of the ball. So let's pick, picks in. Picks in. Oh, all right. Josh Jacobs at Alabama. Our first running back in the first round. I think he's going to be a first-round talent. I think the Eagles need a, a solid running back. They've, they've run a platoon for the past couple years, and they've gotten by, but they need a solid running game. I think he's the guy to do it. It's interesting. I, this guy kind of, in terms of the first running back off the board, he came out of nowhere Yeah, for the spot. But he really shined late in the season for the Tide and had some pretty big runs in that playoff run. Um, I, I don't hate that. I mean, Jay Ajayi is a free agent. They could let him walk. Yeah. Uh, their running back group as a whole outside of that, Wendell Smallwood, Darren Sproles, if he comes back, you don't really have that power rusher in this lineup. Uh, Josh Adams showed some glimpses of maybe being that, but you don't know if he's consistent enough to keep that spot going. Uh, I, I, I do like that pick. Zach, you are up next with the Colts pick at 26. All right. Well, the Colts have a few different needs. Um, I mean, they're not anything overly glaring, but obviously you can always add more depth. Um, so my pick for them. Oh, wow. Going with Draymond Jones, defensive tackle out of Ohio State. The Ohio State University. It's interesting to watch this draft go on because I see a lot of names that I've liked that are still hanging around here. Like, I, I see a guy in my top 10. That hasn't even been picked yet. Just because of fit. I mean, just in my opinion, it's because of fit with who I picked and who you guys have picked for their spots. But I like that. Uh, next up, it's one of my uh, two picks for the Raiders coming up in consecutive rounds here. I, 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 I've been trying to figure out how I want to double this down considering who could be taken within the next two picks between this spot. But at this spot, I'm going to go with the best guy on my board. And I'm going to take Cleland Farrell, the defensive end from Clemson. He's one of the best edge rushers in this draft. I have no explanation why he's fallen to this mark other than just need from other teams at other spots. I mean, it's likely that a team could trade up for this guy. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love Cleland Farrell in this system. It's it, it can be someone that can soften the blow of losing Khalil Mack. Uh, Bundy, you're up next with the Chargers pick at number 28. The Chargers or, yeah. desperately need interior help. I think the guy to do that is is a a local kid. Oh my god! Don't do this. Yeah, I'm doing it. Draymond Jones. He's already been taken. Oh, Draymond Jones. Yes, he took Did him he? for the Colts. And just to correct something, I've already done my double pick for the Raiders. They got Marquise Brown and Colin Farrell, which is a good combination. But back to you, Sal. Uh, pick someone that's not taken already. Hey. <laughs> uh, if I give a suggestion, uh, offensive line could be a help here. No. Um, defensive tackle is a big spot. Linebacker. And, I mean, dare I say it, quarterback. But they might wait later in the draft to get somebody that they could kind of groom behind. Especially with, uh, listen, uh, especially got, with the listen, medical. All right. all right, all right, fine. Dalton Risner, tackle out of Kansas State. Yeah, one of the better ones on the board. That's that's a pretty good spot. Nothing against it. 29th overall, Kansas City. Zach, what are you going with? 
So as anyone who has watched the Chiefs play at all last year, they know that their defense is absolutely terrible, especially their pass defense. So in order to uh, supplement that, Colin, hit the music. Hopefully it hasn't already been taken. Uh, Jonathan Abram, Mississippi State safety. Wow. Uh, no. Yeah. That's a uh, <laughs> interesting that's pick. An interesting pick because I had him in the third round, but okay. Um, there's someone for the Rams that I would like at safety that's not been taken yet. That although he just had surgery on, I believe a foot or something. I, I don't think he's the number one safety on the board, but minor details. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that's fine. Uh, Packers are my last pick of this draft at 30th overall. Uh, they got tight end issues, guard, edge, ru- edge rusher, defensive line. They got so many issues. Yeah. Can't count. There's, I already went defensive end with them. I could go offensive line, although I don't feel, I don't feel like I love that. And honestly, if I was in this spot, I would suggest that the Packers trade out of it. If what has been laid out in front of me, I would trade out of. But because I can't, I gotta go with someone that they can groom into the position going forward. That being said, I believe they got to go tight end here. Hawkinson's already been got because I took him for the Bills. So I'm going to go with Noah Font, the other tight end for the Iowa Hawkeyes. He's the better receiving threat. He's not a big blocking tight end, so he kind of fits the mold of a Jimmy Graham, and he can train underneath Jimmy Graham as he gets groomed into the position. Uh, it's another weapon for Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I love, agree. I love I agree. it. 31st overall, Sal, you get the Rams, and you get all the toys with it and pick a player out of this bunch. <laughs> Rams need defensive help. That's just be sure. honest. Sure, and I would say safety is probably one of them. Safety, linebacker, you pick it. They need it. And if you're not picking this said safety that I'm thinking of, I'm going to be very upset. I got it. Uh, go ahead. Kid from Alabama. Deontay Thompson. Now we're talking. There's no- hey, kid, kid can flat out ball. All because of some off season, some off season uh, surgery he's had going on. He's been starting to slide down people's boards, and I, I, I understand. But at the same time, this guy's a talent. Like he can play. He can, he play. can play. He had some rough spots later in the season, but that's. I mean, if you can get him at 31st overall, the Rams are going to take <laughs> it every day, every day of the week. That might just be a best player available pick. Could be. Uh, Zach, you're going to finish off our draft today with 32nd overall, the evil empire of the Patriots. All right. I got my pick in. Oh, okay. Kyler Murray, quarterback, Oklahoma. Uh, Kyler uh, Murray's Kyler's already been taken. Oh, taken no. way early. He took, way he took him early. in the top oh, 10. Oh, I pulled a Bundy. Uh, all right. Now I need to do my research again. I was sitting on that. I didn't hear you take him. Uh, in terms of the position itself for the Patriots, they tight could end. be looking tight ends. One tight of them. Tight a big one. The problem is, is we already took the two top tight ends, <laughs> so I don't know where you would go with that. Uh, edge rusher is another big one. Defensive tackle, you could even go wide receiver here. Could go running back too. No, they already got Sonny Michelle. They're yeah, fine. Got injury problems. They got Rex Burkhead, James White. I I feel like they're comfortable with what they have. They already spent their first round pick on a running back last year. I don't think they're gonna do that again. All right, I'll go with a uh, Big Ten boy. Noah Faint, tight end out of Iowa. Already taken. Oh, my God. Gone, gone. 
Oh, That's man. worse than Bundy. Come oh, on, worse. man. There's there's still talent out there. Run me through uh, what tight ends have been taken. Uh, your two tight ends are both the Iowa boys. You got Hawkinson and Font taken off the board. All right, Irv Smith Jr., tight end out of Alabama. See, he's considered a first-day talent. Now, whether he's going to go at this spot, I don't know. There's been some people that have actually projected Smith to go in this spot. Um, I would have been interested in a receiver, maybe. Maybe a Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State. Uh Kelvin Harmon out of North Carolina State. A lot of good options there, but very long draft, but I think pretty hey, successful. Out of, Harmon come out of nowhere, though. Harmon? He did. He did, actually. Harmon came out of nowhere. You're going to be surprised. I play college football fantasy, but he was actually my one top underrated target that I took last year, and he, he was very big in that offense for uh, Ryan Finley, the quarterback. Uh, pretty good team. Pretty good skills. He's that big-bodied receiver, so he's, yeah. he fits the mold of the guys like Nikhil Harry in his draft. Where, uh, could be the next Megatron. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't go that far yet, but... I'm saying, but think about it, because Megatron came from where? He came from Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. who was which ran At that time, they ran the what? The triple option. I mean, look at these guys that come. I, I, I don't really know where you're getting this compare or where hey, you're trying to draw the lines. guys aren't supposed to be good receivers turn out to be great receivers. I don't know if you could say they aren't supposed to be good receivers, but that's besides the point. All right, when we come back, we will dive into some miscellaneous Indians news. Uh, as of this recording, they had their first spring training game and didn't go in the favor of either team, I would say. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that next. Final segment of the program on this Episode number five. Lots of miscellaneous tribe things to talk about. Surprisingly, this is the first show we haven't talked majority baseball. It's weird to think about, especially getting into the mix of baseball season. But spring training is finally upon us, and it's finally time for spring training overreactions. Now, I say that because I'm sure a lot of different teams are like this, but I was just trolling around on the interwebs on my burner accounts the other night, and... The Indians released a day early, which is actually kind of weird, but it is spring training, so who knows. But they released their starting lineup for what would be, as we're recording on Saturday the 23rd, the first game of spring training against the Reds. They released their batting lineup. And as you know, fans just go ballistic on Twitter. That's That's what they do. And there was comments underneath this post from the Indians, and one of them I saw that kind of stuck out to me. He said, quote, it looks like a tr- double-A rehab assignment for Jose Ramirez with a bunch of scrubs. I'm like, <laughs> what What do you expect? It's spring training. Like They're not going to play every star player right off the right off the first game. That's funny. <laughs> but it just goes to show, it, it, honestly, this is what I said to somebody else. It shows you who watches baseball, who knows baseball, and who's just a casual Fairweather fan. At the end of the day, that's what, that's what I get from it. I but... <laughs> But we want to talk about more of the specifics of the game. So just to get off the start, I wanted to talk about, yes, it's the most talk about discussion with the Indians. It's what are they going to do with the outfield? And you saw some positives today from guys that could possibly play. You saw Oscar Mercado playing a little bit of center field. Did a good job tracking a ball deep into the outfield. That's significant because he hasn't had a lot of time in the outfield. He started as a shortstop in the professional ranks. Uh, you also had... Tyler Naquin, a.k.a. Tyler Baquin, hit a just a snot rocket to right field on his first at-bat of spring training. Now, I also made sure to note this, Zach, that it wasn't a breaking ball that he hit out. 
Okay, so we still have that Humpty over. <laughs> but, I mean, th- this thing was belt high, and he just pulled that sucker, which is what he's known for. He's known, like a lot of players these days, they're they're pulling the ball. But yeah. th- th- this, while we don't like to overreact, like I was talking about with the fan, that's why I set it up, we don't like to overreact to spring training, and more so spring training the first day of games. But it is nice to see that out, out of a position you weren't very confident in going into the season. Yeah. Well, I mean, to go along with your overreacting, I did uh, after in between the uh, middle of the third inning, I did turn to my dad and said, Dad, we're going to win the World Series this year. Because at that point, we had a 2 nothing lead. Uh, and Plutko, had, Plutko looked good in his two innings that he pitched. And like I said, uh, we had Naquin hit that bomb of a home run. So, I mean, it's obviously you can't weigh anything on spring training, especially the first game. But, I mean, it was good to see Naquin put the bat on the ball, do a little bit of damage. And then, like you said, seeing our outfielders put in some work. I was good to see uh, Poppy get a, get a hit in his at-bat. So, I mean, I, I feel like the biggest thing for me is this this season is I'm going to be more looking at the, uh, the offensive side of things just because I feel like that's where our biggest gap is coming in from last year into this year. With Naquin, it's always about consistency because he, he wants to prove to Tito that he's not just some left-handed platoon hitter. Like, he can play every day in the outfield. And I know you're shaking your head over there, but not everybody can pay for their talent and not develop it, okay? Get, get, <laughs> get, get, get over yourself. Uh, but no, he said today, I'm going to do everything I can to force Tito to keep me play, keep me in there, man. I love that guy, but I'm going to try to force him to force me out of that lineup. I'm so excited. I, I love... I know it's over analyzing things, but I, I love that attitude from a guy that's been in the system for a while now. Right. He had that really good spring training as a rookie, mm-hmm. but he's he really hasn't taken the next step. And I, I hope that first at bat is a sign that he is making that step in the direction to be a guy that can be an everyday outfielder for this team. Yeah, I agree. I like like you said, I really love that mindset myself. Because um, I mean both him and then I also want to see Greg Allen kind of have that mindset too. Just because he's been around, not as long as Naquin, but he's still been around long enough that he should be accustomed to major league pitching. So I think that I'm looking for him to kind of take advantage of that experience and hopefully be able to shine. And then, as Naquin said, make Tito pull you out of the lineup, force his hand with that. And it's it's kind of sad to think about, but he was on a pretty good route for his season early last year before the injury started creeping up. Right, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think he was hitting 267 for most of the year. Mm-hmm. But like you pointed out to me, he was under 200 plate appearances. Um, yeah, he just could never get over the injury hump. Sal, coming from a t- fan of a team that seems to have a plethora of outfielders, how important is it to find the guys that are solid in your lineup day in and day out versus a platoon system? Now you got to have three guys that can consistently play, not only in the outfield, but also hit for you too. We're lucky enough to have over there at Boston three great outfielders that can all play the game at a really, really high level. I think that's made our team just so much better. You know, having having the Mookie Betts, the Jackie Bradley Juniors, and the and the Benatendis of the world. Um, not everyone gets that kind of luxury, so I'm thankful for that for sure. But you guys have to find a consistent, at least center fielder and right fielder. And you can kind of get away with left fielder kind of here and there, but. At least you could have two consistent players for sure. But it, it, what the biggest takeaway from what he did today wasn't necessarily what he did in the game. Uh, Naquin hasn't even seen live pitching since July 25th of last season, before today, obviously, and said batting practice sessions 
were a tough adjustment at the beginning of a camp last week for him. Uh, now that he's settled in more at the plate, a bigger takeaway from the game, like I said, was that he walked away pain-free and is ready to compete. We need these guys at full strength, and I, we need that outfield unit at full strength, which is why we can also talk about Bradley Zimmer. We've heard the past couple of weeks, his timeline. You know, he, he might be ahead of his timeline. You know, we were expecting around All-Star weekend, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Anyway, we can make this as competitive as a battle as can possibly be for the outfield. It's just it, it's better that way. Yeah, and I just having depth is a uh, is a good thing. It's just a matter of finding that quality depth uh, with guys that would actually be able to make an impact on the major league level. And another segue to another part of this. So we already talked about it off air. This recent signing in the non roster invite of Tyler Clippard. Uh, right away, Zach, you told me 34 pitchers on staff in spring training. That seems like quite a lot. Well, you gotta have you gotta have options because as we saw last year, bullpen was a major need, and we tried to address that by getting Simber in hand. It didn't necessarily turn out for how we wanted it, but I mean, we still have those guys now, so maybe it can still work out in uh, in the Indians' favor. Uh, but I just think it's just gonna be a matter of just getting guys in. Like we saw today, uh, the I'm just gonna call him Woj. For, <laughs> yes, I know who you're referring to. Woj had a uh, he had a rough outing today, so I'm I'm curious to see how he bounces back in his next one. Whether or not he's gonna just kind of get down on himself, or if he's just going to uh, bounce back and have a good good uh, next outing. I mean, he pitched one in a third inning. He did have three strikeouts, but he also gave up a home run and three earned runs total. Uh, the only pitcher on that pitch today to give up any runs. So, like I said, I I want to see how we'll bounce back. Um, but also too, I'm not getting too upset about it because it's it's spring training. It, yeah, yeah. In terms of just talking about Clippard, he his numbers really don't tell the whole story. His his pitching style is more finesse than just overbearing power as a power pitcher. Uh, in terms of innings and appearances and whatnot. Last season with Toronto, he logged a 3.67 ERA in 73 appearances, recorded 85 strikeouts in 68 and two-thirds innings. So he's not the typical finesse pitcher, but he tends to get outs with his breaking balls and his off-speed fastball, as crazy as it sounds. He sounds like a more effective Tomlin of last year. It's, it's crazy to say that. Yeah. And then also going with uh, going with Clippers, one one stat I really like to look at with relief pitchers is their whip. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that's walks or hits per inning pitched. Uh, so two years ago when he was with the White Sox, he had a ER, or actually no, last year with, two years ago with Houston. He had an ERA of over six, which is rough, but his whip was 1.2, 1.3-ish. So, I mean, with that, I mean, that's not terrible. It's just when he gave up, hits he would probably give up one and then give up a home run uh so it's just not you just have to avoid having those big innings as a reliever you just have to be more uh controlling the fire and not necessarily trying to blow everyone away you just kind of want to maintain things as they are and then obviously like every situation as a reliever when you come in it's different like you can inherit runners and everything like that so that also changes how exactly you're going to pitch but i mean his whip isn't terrible i like to see that closer to one Maybe even dip under, even though he hasn't been under with it. He hasn't been under one with his whip since 2014, when he was an All Star with the Nationals. His last year there. And then, last thing to talk about with the Indians is they're pretty content on slow playing these exhibition games. They're they're not 
intending to play starters or opening day guys as early and as often. It sounds like, especially we've heard with the rotation at catcher, they have six catchers in camp and they're rotating every two innings. So they're keeping guys fresh, but giving them opportunities. Uh, I think Roberto Perez and J-Ron were the only starters today, at least what I'm predicting for opening day in that roster today, which I'm okay with. Yeah. I I mean, spring training, like, as everyone knows, baseball is such a long season. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And then spring training is just kind of adding on to that. It's just the warm-up for it. So, I mean, I'm completely fine with just, like you said, slow playing it. And, like, this is day one, too. So, I mean, I I expect to see more of our actual starters once we get rolling a couple weeks into spring training. Uh, But, I mean, we can't read too much into how much playing time someone's getting after one game. Now that I think about actually, Naquin probably will start opening day, my guess. And then I think Bowers also started. But I would love to actually, we talk about slow playing these guys into exhibition games, but I feel like some of these younger guys, like Bowers, need to see a little bit more elevated time than most. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I think we'll uh, we'll see that once we get more into spring training. Like I said, I in a week I expect Bowers to be getting more more at bats, more time in the field, just getting accustomed to the pace of play of Major League Baseball. I know spring training's not as full throttle as the regular season is, but it still helps just to be taking those cuts from Major League pitching. All right, so that pretty much covers the main meat of our discussion this week. Uh, something real fun, real quick. I, I saw this on the internet this week. It was a com- a mic'd up coach from, it used to be called the Lingerie Football League. It's now called the Legends Football League, or they changed the name. Can't honestly tell you why. But when you listen to this, I mean, this coach is absolutely nuts, and he is serious about his coaching job. God Megan, first off, <laughs> that is rough to hear. Um, I've had a lot of crazy coaches in my days, and I've played some sports at high levels, some at intramural levels, and I think maybe a few high school football coaches were intense, but nothing like this. Come, I mean, what are we talking about here? I mean, I have two sides to this. I mean, it it is the Legends Football League, so I mean know your role a little bit here like it's not I don't think it's that serious I mean it may be for him like I don't average I don't, attendance is like 5,000 and I'm actually I, I saw somewhere where like high. I saw somewhere where like salaries were like 12 13k or something like that like it's it's nothing I'm, to be living your life of so I'm assuming of. he also has a, another job this is more of a part-time job uh, I would say so I would hope so I mean you, you do like to see the the passion in the workplace though I mean it seems to care about <laughs> uh, what he does and I mean I he does have a point though if it's fourth and 12 I mean they're not going to be running the ball he has a valid right. point yeah no no trust me he is coaching 
the actual part of the game, yes, he's got it. But I don't know if his approach is very good. I mean, I don't watch enough of the uh, Legends Football League or any of it, so I, I can't tell you if this is commonplace for coaches or if he's just willing to go above and beyond. Maybe he's, uh, I don't know if he's just trying to, if his team's a bottom feeder and trying to take them to the top or he's if he's trying to sustain success. I have no idea. You over Listen, there. Drink, takes drinking, drinking your coffee, sitting in the back. On the feast day. Notice how it's whenever it's someone sports related in terms of Cleveland or whatnot, he kind of sits in the back, doesn't talk, on his phone, not paying attention. I'm, I'm just curious. Listen. Are you here for the right intentions? On the, on the feast day. <laughs> of who? On the feast day of Bob Knight throwing the chair. This was a great clip. Unfortunately, misconduct is never acceptable acceptable <laughs> when coaching. But it is funny that it is on Saturday, this day that we recorded this show, is the same day in history that Bob Knight threw the famous chair across the I wanted to make this known that I had no clue about that as I played <laughs> that. So that's just pure coincidence. Uh Zach, real quick, what time is it? Uh I believe it is oh no oh no baby. What are you doing? Yeah, baby. What is what is you doing, baby? They got a basketball court, Dan. You're not put No, Dan. Dan, you was oh my god, baby. Oh, oh. Dan, baby, where's you going, baby? Who what is you doing back there, baby? All over the place, baby. Well, you gonna follow my home? Dan, baby, what is you doing, baby? Dan, baby. No, Dan, come on, Dan, you can't be touching everything, baby. Lord, baby, they all over the place. Alright, so I guess the exe- executive decision by both of you is is I'm up first. Um, if you have two, it makes sense. Well, yeah, that is a good point. All right, to start off, uh, Bingo Brawl at Nursing Home prompts OPP response. OPP is Ontario Provincial Police? Provincial. Provincial? Provincial? I, I'm not, I didn't pass get, English. Get educated. Wait, wait, one second, though. One <laughs> that, second. That's geography. What? Those Thin Mints Bundy. Care to share? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> no! Hey! You're going to piss me off. That is my favorite. <laughs> Bundy owes me a dinner. I hope everybody hears this. What's <laughs> the Hey, no, that no. I will stop this podcast right now if you don't give those back. He is not joking. I'm not joking. That is my favorite. You get two cookies. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa so two. all I have to do is steal something from no, you, and then I get some of it. That, here, I'll steal your wallet. We're wasting time here. Here you go. Give it back. It's like a whole sleeve. <laughs> give me a sleeve. I said two cookies. Now you're making me mad. I will cut you out of this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go with the story. All right, so uh, when a bingo-related dispute heated up at a long-term care facility in Rideau Lakes, Ontario, we'll go with that, uh, the OPP officers had to be called in. It began when a 79-year-old woman took a seat normally used by an 86-year-old woman, according to the Leeds County OPP spokesperson, Sandra Barr. Uh, let her live. Uh, the ensuing argument between the two women escalated into a physical altercation. <laughs> I can hear him sipping on that coffee over there. Uh, other residents got involved, turning the situation to somewhat of a brawl. An OPP were called. It was certainly an unusual call for us, Barr said. When the police arrived to the residence, called, calmed down. No one was seriously injured and paramedics were not required. No charges were laid. Well, then what's the point of calling the cops? Whatever. OPP did not know if the Beagle game ended up happening. Well, that's the biggest issue here. That's it. I've got no takes on that. <laughs> I thought bingo and I old people Canadian, go. I thought Canadians are supposed to be nice. It's bingo. I guess bingo is a bingo, eh? Bingo, eh? All right, for my uh, my story, 
headline is man in gorilla suit breaks in home hides under bed this is also from uh, louisiana police say a man wearing a gorilla suit broke into a louisiana home and hid under a mattress before officers arrested him news outlets quote sulfur police department sulfur is the name of this louisiana town sounds legit that officers saw jeremy moran walking through yards in the costume and they had received phone calls about a suspicious person looking into the homes once police uh, began to approach him he broke into a home and hid under the mattress and then he was jailed upon the charges uh, including resisting an officer unauthorized entry meth possession and wearing a mask because apparently in louisiana a person convicted of wearing a mask in public can be sentenced to three years in prison at most Exceptions for this include religious purposes or on holidays such as Halloween or Mardi Gras. <laughs> I was about to say, if you've seen the stuff they've done at Mardi Gras, nothing compares. I don't even think you can partic- participate in Mardi Gras if you don't have a mask on. Anyway, my two takeaways from this is Sulphur, Louisiana. I would uh, it'd probably be best if you changed your name from Sulphur. Uh, I think that just has some n- negative connotations about the way your town smells. And then also, too, in the words of Mr. Mackey, drugs are bad. Okay. We're cutting that one up. <laughs> All right, Bundy, you're up. All right, so this is a oh no baby kind of like you know interesting interesting situation here. Vermont couple gets married at the Walmart where they met. Oh no! So, <laughs> oh no! This this the bride and groom are employees at the old Walmart. They met. They were gonna get married at the Gold Courthouse, and the assistant manager. It's also the fishing of the wedding off of the ceremony off of the Walmart as the venue. Walmart then said that you can find your soulmate too on their old Twitter tweeter machine. And then they had thousands of people watching their video on the old Facebook. Okay, hey, honestly, getting married. that sounds romantic. I, I'm okay with that. You get married to Walmart? Hey, I mean, if that's what they like, man, they like Walmart. When did you go to Walmart last time, Colin? <sighs> honestly. Not very recent. I'm a poor college kid. I don't go to Walmart. I go to, like, Kroger and their 10 for 10 deals and stuff like that. I can't argue with 10 for 10s. Would you ever get married in a Walmart, Bundy? No shot. No? No shot. Really? Well, he's not getting married, period. That's what he tells us. Oh, that's fair. Would, you ever, would you ever get ordained in a Walmart? Hey, hey, hey. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not kind of talk around here. I'm not that kind of talk around here. This is a sports podcast, not a religious <laughs> podcast. The Bible is at home today. so oh, That was man. a Bundy personal question. I thought it would apply. All right. Final story of the day from Elkhart, Indiana. Northern Indiana police say a home burglary, burglary excuse me, uh, suspect allegedly offered two home, uh, homeowners who found him inside their house $200 not to call the police. Sounds like a fair deal, right? Uh, the 31-year-old Casey Madden of Elkhart was charged last month in in a September home burglar, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he robbed the place. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is a February article, and it says back in September, so I, I don't get this. Uh, court documents say that the homeowners returned home on September 30th to find a strange minivan in their driveway. Okay, you're going to steal from the place? You just park your dri- in the driveway? Welcome home. <laughs> like, what do you expect? Um... Yeah, they returned home to the minivan in their driveway and a man and woman inside their home. The male homeowner told officers that the man offered them $200 in cash not to call the police. Surprisingly, the man refused the offer and told the pair to leave. The police said in a later search of the minivan was uncovered. They found two video game systems in it. Probably 
Some PS4 is worth some good money, so $200 sounds like the homeowners they, were getting they, ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were taken from the home. So you take away about $1,000 worth of stuff, but you'll give back $200. You know, no big deal, right? Uh, Small hit on profits. A message seeking comment was left Wednesday for Madden's attorney, but it was not returned. Well, no crap. He's not going to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, no one, the criminals that get caught are not smart criminals. Well, it's that, and then you're offering, like, a third of what you stole back to them? Because, you know, on the resale market, man, you can sell those PS4s and game systems for a nice chunk of change. He's got to offload his product Unless before you get he can... a GameStop. Well, yeah, then they're taking games for, like, <laughs> oh, you paid 50 bucks for this? I can give you, like, 75 cents for it. <laughs> like those guys off of Pawn Stars ripping your ass off. <laughs> Um, is there anything else we're missing today? Is there anything mm. kind of want to throw in last minute? Uh, time for time for good old Betty Buy time. Good old Betty Buy and Zach, happy birthday on Wednesday. I know you get two gifts. You get the game, tickets to the suite with the jackets versus pens on Tuesday. Yep. And you get to watch me shave my head. So that's hey, that's, that's two for one. That's right? all I could ask in the <laughs> week. We got the appointment. We got the appointment scheduled up. Uh, I think you can just walk in. Oh, I, we I, got, I, we I looked a, it up. We got to get a. F- Five and we're both off on the day we're supposed to go. You're not, so that's yeah. kind of on you at we're this point. We're going at 5 o'clock. All right, Bundy, you're in charge well, of scheduling. The game starts at 7, so this is getting... That's a, it's tight, a Tuesday. a tight window. Yes. The game's on Tuesday. Hey, well, hey, shave only take about an hour, hour and 20 minutes. Well, it's if down, it takes you an, takes an hour and 20, 20 minutes, <laughs> we need to go somewhere else for this money. It's downtown. It doesn't matter if it's downtown. It shouldn't take you an hour and 20 minutes. You gotta get to the suite early. You gotta load up on all that pizza. Are you you? How do you get this game? This game anyway. Connections. I. Where do you think he got them? From you? Yes, from me. Connections. Wait, you have a you have an event this week on yeah, Tuesday? Yeah, but I only had two. I was only given two tickets. You invited him. It's yes, my the guy that watches hockey while you went when Who's, we did this. You specifically right, said wait, what sport is that last week? Who's coming with him? Who's we coming f- with him? What do you mean? What do you, you mean two tickets? Yeah, it's myself and Zach. What do you mean? Oh my! I, I got the tickets. It's our event. Bundy. Got left out, boys. Okay, let me put this on for record. He last time we went to an event, he came with us, had no interest in watching hockey, went to the back and watched Creighton on his phone. That's all right. No, that's not all right. That, okay, am I gonna choose that or am I gonna choose the person that actually gives a damn about hockey? Touche. Yeah, that's what I thought. And right. my birthday. Hey, let's wrap this thing up. Yeah, it's all wrapped up. All right. Thanks again for listening. If you made it through again, what are you doing? If you don't make it through. Go to hell. Um, That'll wrap up episode five. We will be back for episode six next week. Until then, roll tribe. Roll tribe. Hell no.